0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: well thank you and welcome to the show very little time for any commentary due to the fact that we've got two lengthy shows at the half hour, we'll check in with Fibra McGee and Molly. Though first it's to the far north we go for Challenge of the Yukon and the episode Million Dollar Deadline.
2: Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns. Present The Challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers.
3: And King, run, you
2: huskies! Gold. Gold discovered in the Yukon. A stampede to the Klondike in the wild race for riches. Back to the days of the gold rush. With Quaker puff wheat and Quaker puff rice bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog Yukon King as they meet the challenge of the Yukon. (music) Fellas and girls, I'll bet there isn't a single one of you who doesn't like dogs or that doesn't envy Sergeant Preston his wonder dog and loyal companion King. What's more... Maybe you've your own dog, who is dear to your heart. Or maybe you'd like to own a dog someday. Well, if you like dogs, whatever you do, keep listening. Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice, the swell-tasting breakfast cereal shot from guns, brings you an almost unbelievable offer in just a few minutes. The old man was dying. There was no doubt about that. But there was still a vital spark in the gray eyes beneath the bushy eyebrows. He made an impatient gesture with his left hand.
4: Here. Yeah. Here, Torrance. Push another pillow in the back of me so I can sit up and read. Well, of course, Josh. Yeah, how's that? Yeah, it'll, it'll do. Now stand aside so I can see Jenkins. The uh, will's all ready for your signature, Mr. Wilson. Who, who's that
5: standing over in the corner? Tom Langdon, Josh Torrance said I was to come in and be a witness
4: Oh, all right You, you got everything the way I told you, Jenkins? Yes, sir You want me to read it to you? I can still read Give it to me Yes, sir I don't know anything about that niece and nephew of mine But I made my fortune in the Yukon And if the Yukon's too good for him Then they can't have any part of it.
6: It's all just as you told me, sir. They must claim their inheritance in person in Dawson before May 31st of next year.
4: Yeah, I see. They'll have to make the winter trek from Skagway. It'll do them good. Show them what their uncle went through. Make them appreciate what they're getting. If the trail's too tough for them, they don't deserve any sourdough money. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's all all this small writing down to the bottom? Oh, that's
6: just in case the Martin boy and girl don't fulfill your terms. It sets up the hospital trust with Mr. Torrance as the executor.
4: I can't read it. Well, it's exactly as we talked about. All right, I'm not interested. If my kin don't deserve the mine, I don't care where it goes. Give me a pen. Here,
3: here, sir.
6: There. Thank you, Mr. Wilson. Hmm, For what? You sign right here, Mr. Torrance. I see.
4: Now, Mr. Langdon. All right. You don't mind my not leaving you anything, do you, Tom? (sighs) What do I need with money? (laughs) I thought that's the way you'd feel about it. You'd rather trap than mine. Still, you're about the only friend I've got. Take care of the young ones for me. Hey, hey, we'll judge, and you do a good job of running the mine for him, Torrance. Why, of course I will. Thank you, Mister Langdon. Well, that about concludes our business, Mister Wilson. No doubt about it. You and Torrance, clear out. Oh, yes, Mister Wilson. Tom, yeah. let's sit here beside me, and we'll, we'll talk about it all time.
2: Yes, yes. It was shortly after that that the old man dropped into a sleep from which he never woke. On the following day, Mike Torrance appeared in Silas Jenkins' law office. Now, just take the
6: precaution of locking the door. Then we can be sure no one will interrupt us. It's done, Mike. Yeah. Are you sure everything's okay? Would you like to see the will? Uh, yes. All right. Here you are. Hey, I didn't get much of a chance to look at it while I was signing my name yesterday. <laughs> no... And neither did Mr. Langdon, you can be sure of that. Yeah, but the old man might have caught you up. I made the writing in the last clause very small, purposely. And after all, it was very simple, mere matter of leaving out a few words. Mm, The old man had been stronger, though. We counted on his condition, didn't we? Now, if the boy and girl don't appear in Dawson before the last of May, the mine will go to you. And there's no reason why they should appear. Because, of course, they'll never be notified. It's safe to say the property will be yours. And mine. I believe I deserve my share. Well, there's still a chance things might go wrong. How? Well, Langdon, he knows the old man didn't intend to leave anything to me. The will is perfectly in order. It can't be broken. Yeah, but what if he gets word to the Martin kids? That was left in my hands. Well, just the same... Watch him by all means, Mike. Make sure he doesn't do anything to interfere with our plans.
2: I will. You can depend on that. But two months later, Torrance paid another visit to Jenkins' office, and this time his face was twisted with anger.
6: What's the matter with you, Torrance? Everything. That fool of a Johnson. You control yourself. I told him to make sure, to make absolutely sure. Keep your voice down. Now tell me what's happened. You heard Johnson yourself. He said he followed Langdon back to his cabin in the mountains. Of course. Right after the funeral. Well, Langdon didn't stay there. Red is just back from Skagway, and you saw him get on board the Northern Pride. He's on his way to Seattle. He's there by now. Wait, wait, you're sure of this? Red saw him! I still say control yourself. There are people passing outside. But he's gone after those cursed kids. He'll bring them back with him. It's a long way from Seattle to Dawson, Mike. Well, it's only the end of March. They'll have plenty of time to make it. There are ways of stopping them. Huh? And Red might be the man to do it. No, we can afford to hire more than one man, Mike. Get half a dozen, pay them well. To do what? To go to Skagway, to wait there. To watch for Tom Langdon and Ted and Mary Martin. And if they show up, to stop them from getting any farther. Skagway's a rough town. Should be easy to stop them there. And if not, there are 650 miles of the most dangerous trail in the world between Skagway and Dawson. Red and the men you hire will have plenty of opportunity. To kill them? To keep them from reaching here by the end of May. (laughs) We'll just let Red use his own methods. Yeah. He'll do it. I'll offer him a thousand dollars. He's killed men for less than that.
2: The Northern Pride docked at Skagway on the twentieth of April, and standing on the deck where they would be the first down the gangplank were Tom Langdon and Ted and Mary Lou Martin.
5: Are we really in the Yukon? Not yet, Ted. But I left my team in town. We'll be through White right Pass by tomorrow. Then you'll be in the territory.
1: They're getting ready to lower the gangplank. Now,
5: stay close behind me, you two. I don't want to lose you in that crowd on the dock. Oh, don't you worry.
2: The old trapper led the way down the gangplank. Just as he stepped onto a dock, a shot rang out. Oh, oh, Uncle Tom! He's been shot.
5: Help!
1: Help somebody! Uncle Tom!
5: Where are you hit? Oh, my leg. Uh, I'm not done for, not by a long ways. But I uh, may be laid up for a while. Now, I don't want you to stop here with me. I want you to go on. Why, Why what are you talking about? Somebody help me lift him and carry him over to that building.
6: I'll give you a hand
4: with him. Go on. Oh, he's fainted. Right, easy now. As
6: if we easy. dream of leaving Hold him. him.
2: It was a week later that Sergeant Preston, on duty at the Northwest Mounted Post at White Pass,
3: saw a dog team struggling up Come the slope there. toward the summit. Yes, King, I see. The harness is tangled. Come on, boy, we'll straighten it out. No, kid.
5: We'll have to straighten out the tracer. I'll do that. Sergeant Preston, the king... Tom Langdon, Lord. what's the matter with you? Why are you riding the sled? Well, I was shot in the leg down the Skagway, but it's all right now. Hey, I want you to meet Ted and Mary Martin. Hello. How do you do, do, do They're uh, Josh Wilson's niece and nephew. They're on the way up to Dawson.
3: But Josh is dead.
5: Yes, no? I know. Hey, got quite a story to tell
3: oh. you. I can wait till we get to the customs house. Let me take over, Ted, and we'll have you there in no time. Make the team behave while I go to work on the harness, King.
2: <laughs> the team was untangled, and King broke the trail for them up to the custom house. There, Tom was carried inside and made comfortable near the stove. And there, he
5: told his story. I realized there wasn't any mention of the hospital in that will at all. And if Mary and Ted didn't get the mine, Torrance would. I'd never liked him, never trusted him. So I just decided to get down to Seattle and bring the kids back myself.
3: Ted, uh, you received no notice of your uncle's death. Not until Uncle Tom arrived. Who shot you down in Skagway, Tom?
1: They couldn't
5: find him, either. Well, there was a crowd on the dock. I did see Red Ganyon down there while we were still on deck. and He's been on Torrance's payroll from time to time. You think he may have done it? Well, it's possible. But the important thing is to get these kids to Dawson before the 31st of May. Is it too late, Sergeant? I don't know. You shouldn't have stayed with me, kids. We couldn't leave you alone. There's still a month.
3: Yes, but the trail's in terrible condition. Once you get down to the level of the lakes, the snow's slushy and the ice is rotten.
5: But the lakes haven't broken up yet.
3: No, and if you wait for them to be free of ice and travel by boat all the way, well, there'd be no chance of making it in time.
5: They've got to, Sergeant.
3: Just a minute, I'm thinking. Well? It'll be dangerous.
5: What have you got in mind?
3: You'll stay here, Tom.
5: No, no. I can't let them go on alone.
3: I'll go with them instead. Now, listen. We'll travel across the ice on Lake Bennett and Tagish and Marsh Lake until we get to the 50-mile river. There's open water in Miles Canyon. We'll have to portage around it. Yeah? Below the canyon, we'll have to hope the ice will still hold us so we can cross over the left bank. I'll we'll follow the trail along the Horse Rapids to Lake Labarge. I'll pick up a canoe there. The 30-mile river's open. So is the Lewis and the Yukon. And
5: if you can get to Lake Labarge... If. That's the big question. If
3: the ice will hold us below Miles Canyon. We must get over the left bank there or we'll be held up for days. Ted, Mary... How soon can you start?
1: Anytime. Right
3: away. As soon as I harness my team, then. let go, King. <laughs> we'll continue our story in just a moment.
1: Just look. At oh, gee, they're out of this world. Yes,
2: kids, how would you like to own a complete set of 35 different dog picture cards like these?
1: Oh, gosh, what I ever. Oh, me too.
2: Their official challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards.
1: Why, they're better than any trading cards I've ever seen. And they're stiff back. And just feel them. They're the same shiny finish as game cards. And say,
2: just look at these dogs. Billy, those are real photographs in full color. And every single dog is a real dog. And they're brand-new photographs, too.
1: Oh, gosh. I've never seen anything as so pretty as this Irish setter.
2: East champion Charles River Color Sergeant. Voted best in show at the recent ninth Annual International Kennel Club Dog Show in Chicago.
7: Boy, I like that Irish wolfhound.
2: Billy, did you know this breed is the world's biggest dog? Standing on his legs, he reaches over six feet high. Here, look. On the back of every card, Sergeant Preston gives a description of each dog.
1: Gosh, it says on this card that the Chihuahua weighs as little as one pound. Why, you could hold him right in the palm of your hand. Hey, look, here's King. Gosh, what a dog. Oh, boy, what I would give to own a dog like that.
2: (laughs) Well, kids, it's so easy to get these Challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards. Nothing to it, and they don't cost you a single extra penny. Look, here's all you do. Get to your grocer. Buy Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Oh,
1: gosh, they're my favorite cereal. Well,
2: inside each package, you'll find two cards like these.
1: Two cards?
2: Right, Billy, not one, but two dog picture cards.
1: Gee, if we got two packages, one of each kind, we'd have four different cards.
2: Right, Sandra, quick as a wink.
1: Boy, I'm wasting no time. I'm starting my collection right now.
2: Yes, there's no waiting, no delay, nothing to send in, no money, no box stops. Simply go to your grocer. Ask for Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. Inside each package, get two Keen Dog Picture Cards. There are 35 different cards in all. Get the entire set. They're new, they're different. And you can get them only with Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. Save them, trade them. It's easy, it's fun. Now to continue our story. Half an hour after Sergeant Preston had made his decision to escort the Martin boy and girl to Dawson, the little party was on the trail. Mary rode the sled, and Ted helped the sergeant control his descent from the top of the pass. King was working as a loose lead, breaking the trail for the team. Night had fallen by the time they
3: reached the shores of Lake Bennett. Oh,
2: King, gonna make camp here, Sergeant?
3: Only long enough to eat. You tired, Mary?
1: No, Sergeant. Just a little cold. I'll get
3: a fire started.
1: It was spring when we left home. Now it's winter again. It's the
3: beginning of spring up here. Notice how soft the snow is?
1: Yes, but the lake's still frozen.
3: The ice isn't to be trusted. I wouldn't attempt crossing it without King in the lead. However, it's better at night than during the day, and that's why we're going to keep on. There'll be a moon in the northern lights. We'll rest in the morning. Now, uh... How about helping me get some wood, then? Sure thing. (coughs) Of course, King. You can come along, boy. (coughs) Supper was
2: eaten. And as the moon rose, they started out again, across the frozen surface of the lake. It was nothing like travel during the middle of the winter when King would have set a steady six-mile-hour pace directly ahead. Now he moved slowly, testing every foot of ice, realizing that it must not only carry his own weight, but the weight of the sled and the men behind him, Sometimes he kept close to the shore. At others he avoided it. Often he reversed his course swiftly as an anonymous cracking and rumbling explained the reason.
1: Oh, it's all
3: right,
2: Marie.
1: But it sounds as if the ice were breaking off.
2: Behind us, not ahead. The great dog brought them through, across Lake Bennett, across Lake Tagish and Marsh Lake, and on to the Fifty Mile River. But what would have been a day's travel in winter took them nearly a week. And then, as they were nearing Miles Canyon, disaster struck.
3: What's the matter, boy? He's stopping.
1: He looks as if he wants to head for shore, but he won't. Why not?
3: There's your answer. The ice is cracking up ahead of us. It's cracking up all around us. Now don't try to move. King knows what's best. he does it. That's open water ahead, Sergeant.
1: I can see water behind us, too. Well, this piece of ice we're on is moving. Steady.
3: It's thick enough to hold us. We're going to break up sooner or later. Look at the way the current's taking us.
1: Toward the shore.
3: Yes, and the ice is still solid there. We'll break up when we hit it. We'll have to move fast, Ted. Watch King and be ready to give me a hand with that sled.
2: We're going to hit. (laughs) The ice flow ground into the
3: solid shore ice. King and the dogs leap
2: forward. Oh, Ted. The and Ted put their shoulders to the sled. And a moment later, they had reached solid ground
3: on the bank.
1: Oh, dear. That was a close one.
3: The king slipped for once. Well, no, Ted. He's been trying to reach this bank ever since we entered the river. Why? What's the matter with the left bank? Look ahead there. See the cliffs on either side? It's Miles Canyon. The only land trail around it's on this side. He knew that? He knows the Yukon Vale better than I do. Well,
1: now what do we do?
3: Rest a little while, and then Ted and I'll pack our supplies on our backs. You'll have to make the portage on foot, Mary.
1: Oh, I'm not tired at all.
3: What's beyond the portage? We have to cross the river again. But How? We must hope the ice hasn't gone below the canyon. Oh, but it must have. No, not necessarily. The river doesn't flow as swiftly down below. But the sooner we get there, the better. The portage was made. And when they
2: stood on the banks of the river once again below the canyon, the sergeant tested the ice.
3: It's covered with water, sergeant. Yes, about a foot deep, and the ice is rotten. I honestly don't know. I'll have to leave it up to King. How about it, boy? Will it hold us? Shall we go on? On, King? Oh! The great dog
2: understood. It was a familiar command, but this time it was phrased as a question, and he was ready with the answer. He started across the river, and the team followed him as a matter of
3: course. Here we go. You first, Mary. All right. Oh.
1: We we'll
3: got a fire lighted. As soon as we hit the other side. It was a dangerous crossing.
2: The ice was rotten, but they reached the other side of the river. It would have been impossible half an hour later. For as they were drying their mucklucks and warming their feet, the break-up came.
3: There she goes. Wow, are we lucky. We're lucky to have King with us. Good work, fella. I guess you know who's really in charge here, don't you?
1: You'll take care of us, won't you, King?
3: They followed
2: the trail along the banks of the White Horse Rapids to Lake LaBarge and the northwest mounted post on its shores. There, the sergeant arranged to leave his sled and his team and to borrow a canoe. But the constable in charge of the post had some disturbing news.
3: I wish we'd known about this day before yesterday. Known about what? That Red Canyon was suspected of shooting Langdon in Skagway. There's no real evidence against him. No, but at least we could have held him for questioning. Held him? That's what I mean. He and five other men have been camping near the end of the lake. They bought a boat, and when the ice and thirty mile broke up, they started out day before yesterday. Well, if Tom's guess was correct, and Torrance has hired Red to keep Ted and Mary from reaching Dawson and he Tyne. may be waiting for you somewhere along the river. You may run into an ambush. Should be. We'll be warned, though. What? How? King's traveling with us. Ganyon would like nothing better than to put a bullet through you. We'll keep a sharp lookout, won't we, King?
2: <laughs> the following morning, the sergeant and king, Ted and Mary, climbed into their canoe and started down the 30-mile river. The current was swift, and big black boulders rose menacingly above the surface of the water. Only the sergeant's strength and skill kept the fragile craft from crashing into them.
3: There's some more rocks on your left, sergeant. Yes, I see. You keep that rifle ready and watch the bank. Remember what I told you about Red Ganyon? I'm watching.
2: (laughs) On and on they raced with the stream. The days passed. The Lewis was left behind, and now they had reached the broad sweep of the Yukon River. Past Selkirk and on to Stewart. But time was growing short, and the sergeant and Ted paddled hard from dawn to dusk. It was the 27th of May, then the 28th, then the 29th. And when they made camp that night, the sergeant knew it would be the last time he would have a chance to sleep until Dawson was reached. Ted and Mary might be able to sleep in the canoe, but he would have to keep paddling steadily if Dawson were to be reached by midnight of 31st. King was sleeping near his master, but as always, even though his eyes were closed, his senses seemed to be alert to danger. He suddenly woke up, growling. There was nothing to be seen beyond the campfire except the canoe drawn up on the beach. But King knew there was someone close, some stranger. Then the great dog saw a shadowy figure moving swiftly toward the canoe. King leaped up and raced toward the water's edge. There was a flash of steel in the moonlight. The man was carrying an axe. He raised it high and was about to smash the fragile hull when King hit him. The axe was knocked in the man's grasp and slid down to the water's edge.
3: King! What is it, Sergeant? What's happened? Someone down by our canoe. King's caught him.
5: Take him off me! Take
3: him off! All right, King. I've got him covered.
2: Get up, you. At the sergeant's command, the great dog allowed the man to get up.
3: Then he raced down to the
2: water to retrieve the axe.
3: Uh, I was just walking along. I wasn't doing anything. What's that you've got, King? An axe. It isn't mine. Don't lie. March up to the campfire. I
6: wasn't doing anything, Sergeant.
3: King didn't give you a chance. March. Who is it, Sergeant. Name is Steve Sykes. I'm putting him under arrest for shooting Tom Langdon. Oh, you know better than that, Sergeant. You know it wasn't me. You were with Red Gunyon when he fired the shot. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't make me responsible. Where is Red? He went on. And left you behind to try to stop us? I didn't know you were with these kids, Sergeant. Answer me. You were left behind to try to stop us? I wasn't going to hurt you or the kids any. But you knew if you put a hole in that canoe, it'd be worth a fortune to Mike Torrance. I don't know anything about Mike Torrance. Steve, you've got just one chance to keep out of jail, and that's to come clean. All right, Sergeant. I'll tell you anything you want to know, anything I can tell you.
6: The first thing is I lied about Red. He hasn't gone on? No, our camp's on the point in the woods about a half mile from here. We saw you stopping this afternoon. He sent me to wreck your boat, that's true. But if I didn't manage it, why...
3: Well, tomorrow you'd never have got past the point. So Red is still ready to commit murder to stop us. Yeah. You're going to lead me to his camp, Steve. All right. That's the way you want it. You want me to come too, Sergeant? No, Ted. Wait here for ten minutes. Then I want you and Mary to get in the canoe and paddle for the other side of the river. Get as close to the bank as you can and let the current carry you down past the point. This man said they'd shoot at us. By the time you're opposite the point, I'll either have made my arrest or Red and his men will be so occupied with the woods behind them, they won't be able to watch the river.
6: Do you think there'll be a fight?
3: There may be. Maybe that Red will win. But even if he does, you and Mary will be out of his reach. If you keep at it, you'll make Dawson in time. We will.
1: But you, Sergeant... This is
3: all part of my job, Mary. Come on, Steve. Quiet, King. Our only chance is to take them by surprise. (laughs) Two days passed. And at ten minutes of twelve on the night of the
2: 31st, Mike Torrance and Silas Jenkins were together in the lawyer's office on Front Street, preparing to celebrate their inheritance. How about a drink,
6: Mike? I'll wait till twelve before I drink Why, you don't think anything can go wrong now? I'll wait. <laughs> I wonder when we'll hear about the accident. Yeah, what accident? Why, the one that Red arranged. wonder how he managed it. Hey, who's that? No idea. It could be Red. Take a look out the window and see before you unlock the door. Right. Well? It's a young fellow and a girl. Who are they? I don't know. I never saw them before. But suppose it's a Martins. I'll let them in. You Silas Jenkins? Yes. I'm Ted Martin. This is my sister, Mary. How do you do? How'd you get here? Why, by canoe. Aren't you going to ask us in? Yes, yes, come in.
1: You, uh, you don't have to be told why we're here,
6: Mr. Jenkins. Uh, I'm Mike Torrance. It's too bad you're late. Oh, what do you mean? That clock says five minutes of twelve. Oh, the clock is slow. Yeah, here's the right time. My watch. Five minutes past twelve. What does yours say, Salis? Uh, Five minutes past, of course. It is too bad. That you should have come all this way for nothing. You're certainly proving that Tom Langdon was right. Right? That you're crooks, the pair of you. You've done everything in your power to keep us from getting here on time. And now that you've lost the game, you're still trying to cheat us. But we haven't lost. You'll find that out in court. I'll take a look at your watch, Jenkins. Oh. You haven't had time to set it ahead. Let go of me. There. Look at it, Mary. Five minutes out. We'll see what the court has to say to that. You're covered, mister. Oh, so you realize the bluff won't work. There was no one out in the street. No one who could have seen them come in here, Salis. Same thought occurred to me. What are you going to do? Kill us? You're going to disappear, young man. You and your sister. You'll never be heard of again. I wonder if you have the nerve to shoot. You'll find out when the right time comes. Can't do it here. Of course not. Take him down to the river. Now, come on. Let's get started. We'd better not argue with that gun, Mary. Come on. Oh, 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 well, hello, King. And the sergeant. I him, sergeant. Oh, fancy meeting you here. Sergeant Preston. Yes,
3: Torrance. I'll take that gun.
1: Sergeant, did you hear them?
3: I heard everything. Torrance, you're under arrest and so are you, Jenkins. What's the charge? I have no gun. You didn't hear me make any threat? Red Ganyon's in jail, and he's confessed that you and Torrance hired him. That makes you an accessory to attempted murder.
6: Attempted murder, Langdon?
3: Yes, but he's all right now. And there's also an item of conspiracy to defraud. Langdon's testimony will quench that. Jenkins, you and Torrance are going to jail for a long, long time. This case is closed. <laughs>
2: just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Friday's adventure. Fellas and girls, you all know that Yukon King is the greatest husky in the North Country. You know he's gentle yet strong, and always at his master, Sergeant Preston's side when danger threatens. But say, do you know what King really looks like? And wouldn't you like to have a beautiful full-color picture of King? And what's more, have it on a real stiff-back trading card? Well, then waste no time. Start today. Collect official challenge of the Yukon Dog Picture Cards. There are 35 different cards in all. Each features a famous breed of dog. Remember, you now get at no extra cost two. That's two of these dog picture cards inside each package of delicious Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. These cards are that easy to get. Save them, trade them, collect them all. Start now. Ask for Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. These radio dramas, a feature of the challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Fred Flowerday, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. They are brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the same time by Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice, the breakfast cereal shot from gun. Listen Friday, when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King meet the challenge of the Yukon in the case of the Skagway Mail.
3: When the Skagway Mail sled pulled into the police post at Indian River, the driver was lying across the mail sacks, wounded and unconscious. And trying to find the men who had shot him, I had only one clue, an oddly marked footprint. It led me into a trap, a trap that nearly cost me my life.
2: Be sure to hear this exciting adventure...
1: Friday. Stay tuned for Fibber, McGee, and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1945 to hear one of the most popular shows on radio Fibber, McGee, and Molly, and the story of the time that Fibber made fudge.
8: Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. (laughs) The makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. (laughs) drugstore in Westville Vista is noted for two things, its wonderful chocolate fudge and the fact that it usually hasn't got any. But today the sale is on, and here, just home with a bag, big bag full of the confection, we find Molly of Fibra McGee and Molly.
7: McGee, you know what I got at Kramer's drugstore? Don't
9: tell me you bought some of that quick-drying fountain pen, of Kramer's. That stuff is terrible. Why is it? I had some of that on my last trip to Peoria. You
7: did, huh? You
9: know how you always shake your pen at a hotel wall? To see if the ink is flowing
10: right? Yeah.
9: Well, that stuff dries before it hits the wall.
10: <laughs>
9: Rattles against the wallpaper like you were throwing
7: buckshot. Well, that's too bad. But that isn't what I started to tell you. Kramer's were having a special sale. That outfit's sale.
9: always having a special sale. They think a one-cent sale means giving you four pennies for a nickel.
7: Yeah, but this was a... Kramer's
9: idea of a bargain is giving you two or something you don't want with something you gotta have for half again what you'd have to pay if you went someplace you'd rather go to if it wasn't raining. <laughs>
7: Now, look, dearie, will you stop interrupting me a minute? Huh? Telling you something is like trying to lie on your back and play badminton with hailstones.
9: I'm sorry, Molly. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead and talk. Thank you. I was just going to say that I bought... I hate it. It's a guy that won't let the other guy talk.
7: I know that. That's why it's I was... form to... of egotism.
9: That's what it is. Thinks what he has to say is so much more important than what the other guy is saying. He just can't keep his big, fat mouth shut.
7: Exactly. Now, then... When I was down at Kramer's Drugstore. For goodness sakes, McGee, will you please let me talk?
9: Why, that wasn't me, Mommy. That was the doorbell. What?
7: Oh,
1: pardon me. Come in. Mrs. McGee? Yeah? I'm your new neighbor next door. If we should go away for a few days, would you take care of our boxer?
9: Oh, you betcha, you, sis. I'm very fond of dogs.
1: Oh, this isn't a dog. Huh? It's our cousin, Punchy McClatchy. Thank you very much.
7: <laughs> My goodness, did you ever hear of Punchy McClatchy, McGee?
9: sure. Sure. Six feet of fighting scar tissue Who couldn't batter his way out of a hairnet (laughs) Known in prize fight circles As the Waltz King (laughs) Gone into more dives Than an MP in Paris And made a will leaving his jaw To the Libby Owens Glass Company (laughs) But tell me, kiddo What were you saying about Kramers? You got me interested.
7: Well, uh, this morning I had a terrific desire for some good chocolate fudge, so... Fudge?
9: I... Well, why didn't you say so? Don't give it another thought, Snooky. I'll whip you up a batch of fudge, the old-fashioned kind. Oh,
7: please, McGee, you don't have to make me any fudge because Your I also... wish
9: is my command, madame. You said you were hungry for fudge, so you get fudge. Now well, then, what do I need to make fudge? Cocoa. Eggs. Eggs? No, no, don't need eggs. I hand me the phone. I gotta call the grocery.
7: Here, but now listen. Thanks. Hello, operator.
9: Give me Jimmy Sales Grocery and Meat. Mark my words, it's her. Who? Mert.
10: <laughs> How's every
9: little thing, Mert? Yeah. What's say, Mert? Your married sister. In an interesting condition, eh?
7: Ah. Uh. Isn't that nice?
9: No, 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 no. She was studying ballet and got her foot caught behind her neck. (laughs) What's that, Mert? Yeah, yeah, the grocery store. Thanks. Hello, sales grocery? Herbert McGee speaking. I just called to order some eggs, but I happen to think you don't need eggs to make fudge, so forget the whole thing.
10: (laughs) Well... (coughs) Here we go,
9: laughing and scratching. Come on out in the kitchen, baby.
10: McGee, for
7: the last it probably time...
9: probably won't be the last time, Tootsie. When you fling a fang into this fudge I'm gonna make, you'll realize why the chief of the Waldorf is a man.
7: That's pronounced chef, dearie.
9: It is? Well, when I was in the army, I cooked a mess of baked beans for the commander in chef.
7: That's and... chief.
9: I cooked a mess of beans for the commander in chief that were so wonderful, he wanted to know the name of the chief that cooked him. Chef. The chef that cooked him. So I tells the commander in chief, I said. Gee! Where's the saucepan?
10: <laughs>
7: ah, here we are. Those are frying pans, Gee.
9: So what? Didn't you ever eat any fried fudge? <laughs> Frying brings out
7: all the delicate...
9: Hey, 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 hey. What are we keeping this thing for? That's
7: a colander.
9: Well, it's full of holes. I only want the best equipment in any kitchen of mine. Throw that thing out the window. Certainly. Thanks. Now then, a double boiler. Boiler.
7: Why a double boiler?
9: I always boil my fudge twice. Oh. Now let me see. Salt,
8: pepper. <laughs> Billy Mills of the orchestra, and it's got to be this or that. <laughs>
9: You're gonna be good. Look at that rich brown color.
7: Yep, like the back of an old boxing glove.
9: <laughs> Boy, you get a load of that smooth, creamy consistency. <laughs> this stuff is gonna turn out to be pure velvet.
7: Yes, yeah, one bite and you have a long nap.
9: <laughs> it turns out as good as I expect. I might put it on the market. Fibber's fine fudge. Oh my! I can just see the billboards. Feeling foul, folks? Why fret, fume, or fuss? (laughs) Feed your face with a fistful of Fibber's fine fudge.
7: If feeling low with work and drudgery, drop in on Fibber's fancy fudgery. (laughs) That's (laughs) great. great. I'll
9: make the name of Fibber McGee Anonymous with fine candy every place.
7: You Uh, mean synonymous, dearie? hmm? It starts with a sin. and if you think I'm whistling Dixie, you're tone deaf.
9: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have my fudge in every drugstore in the United States. Bye, Georgia. Come in.
7: Oh, it's here, Latrivia. Out here in the kitchen, Your Honor. Oh, oh. hello, Molly.
9: Hello, McGee. Hi, Latrivia. Have a chair and watch a master confectioner
8: confect a (coughs) confection. What witch's brew are you concocting there, McGee? If you're working on synthetic rubber, don't go any further. A set of tires that smelled like that would set the automotive industry back 75 years.
7: (laughs) He's making fudge, Your Honor.
8: Oh, fudge.
7: What was that last crack, Latrivia?
8: I merely said, oh, fudge, indicating that I had, with my usual perspicacity, grasped the situation. Oh. Uh, may I make a suggestion?
7: Certainly, Mr. Mayor.
8: Well, every time I drop in for a friendly chat, we seem to conclude with some unseemly conversational brawl. Now, let us for once not get into an argument. Oh, it's okay with me, Latrivia.
9: I'm a peaceful citizen. I can get along with anybody.
7: Well, now, isn't that nice? Mm.
9: (laughs) Ah,
8: splendid. People who go around with chips on their shoulders... Just leave my father out of this for trivia,
10: that's... (laughs)
8: Your father? What did I say about you? His
10: father was a
7: carpenter, Mr. Mayor.
9: And just because an honest cabinet maker has a few chips on his shoulder doesn't
8: give you... Oh, I was speaking in a rhetorical sense, McGee. I certainly did not mean actual chips. I you mean say. my father used phony chips? <laughs> now, just a darn
9: minute, Latrivia. There's no more honest people in the world than carpenters. And I bad... didn't say a word about
8: carpenters. You brought that up.
7: No, he brought McGee he... up. <laughs>
8: I mean, uh, I, I, an honest chipender, a uh, uh, honest. honester. Uh, when a man has a chip on his father, stop shouting at my wife, Latrivia. I was not shouting. I was not
10: shouting at your wife.
7: Well, who were you shouting at, Mr. Mayor? At your husband. Speak up, Latrivia,
9: speak (laughs) up.
7: If you got anything to say, out with it. Quit mumbling.
10: I... I...
8: I was only trying to... When I attempted... I was hoping that for once we... (laughs) McGee, don't you like me?
7: Of course he likes you, Mr. Mayor.
9: You're a fine chap, Trivia. Inclined <laughs> to fly off the handle now and then, like a cheap hatchet. <laughs>
7: <laughs> but a fine chap for all of that.
8: Thank you. Then, before I leave, may I tell you something I've never said to anyone else?
7: Why, of course, Your Honor.
8: What is it, old man? Simply this, McGee. You have dripped that horrible mess of fudge all over the front of your shirt and pants. And on you...
0: It looks good.
7: Why on earth do you suppose he doesn't like carpenters?
9: Just a frustration, I'd say. Probably wanted to be a carpenter himself and
7: couldn't. Yeah.
9: Because he always puts the wrong construction on everything.
7: Yeah, that may be. Yeah. Huh? Oh, McGee, you've spilt that stuff all over the floor
9: Ah, so what? I got plenty left I made a couple, I made a double recipe Hey,
7: anybody home? Out here in the kitchen, Mr. Wilcox Oh, hi,
8: Junior Hello, pal, hello, Molly Hello,
7: Mr. Wilcox Do you like fudge?
8: Is that what he's making there? Yes No (laughs) Am I to misconstrue that as a reflection on my cooking, Junior? If the shoe fits, pal, you can walk for miles without finding an argument Gee, I wish you had a copy of my cookbook. Your cookbook?
7: I never knew you were interested in cooking, Mr. Wilcox. Family recipes, aren't they?
8: No, I just stole them here and there. (laughs) You know the old saying, if you steal from one author, it's plagiarism. But if you steal from everybody, it's research. Well, mine's research Now, looky here, Junior, looky here
9: (laughs) I know you, and I know you ain't doing this strictly for the benefit of frazzled females
8: You got a gimmick in there someplace Well, there is one little device I thought was interesting
7: Stand by, Racine Here
8: it comes (laughs) Well, you see, every time I mention eggs or gravy or soup or anything that's liable to be spilled I add a footnote. It says, remember, spilled things are easily wiped up if your kitchen linoleum is protected by Johnson's self-polishing glow coat.
7: Why, that's a very unobjectionable reminder,
10: I'd say. Yeah, that's
8: the vicious part of this guy's approach, Molly. (laughs) He sneaks up on you like Aunt Tessie's elderberry wine. (laughs) And in the chapter on preparations, of course, I tell how to keep the kitchen always ready for use. How to pour out little Johnson's glow coat, spread it around, and let it dry with no rubbing or buffing necessary. And how it beautifies the linoleum and makes it last six to ten times longer. And then, hey, what time is it? Six to ten. Oh, gee, I gotta go. I'll see you later, folks. Hey, 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 don't you want to wait and have some fudge? No, no, no thanks.
7: I always thought you had quite a sweet tooth, Mr. Wilcox.
8: Well, I have, but my sweet tooth takes advice from my wisdom tooth. So long now.
7: Imagine Mr. Wilcox an author
9: Ah, but, uh... (laughs) all it takes to be an author these days is an idle summer and a publisher with too big an income tax
7: Well, passing up that fertile subject for the time being, dearie Move aside while I wipe up that spilt fudge Okay,
9: I gotta beat this panful a little more anyway You know, this baking soda don't mix in very good
7: Baking soda? Did you put baking soda in that fudge? Why,
9: certainly, it makes it light and fluffy It's the vinegar that gives it that sharp, tangy
7: smell. Vinegar? Oh, now, McGee, after all, you don't put everything into making fudge. I didn't
9: put everything into it. Look at all the stuff on the shelf there I didn't use. Celery salt, onion flakes, horseradish. Hey, horseradish, what a dash of horseradish.
7: No, no. Don't stir it so hard, dear. You keep spilling it.
9: Okay. I'll beat it out on the back porch and whip it. I'll be back in a minute. Oh, I bought a little goat and his name was Jack, but he got so homesick I had to give him back. Oh. <laughs> hi,
10: mister. Oh,
9: hi, Teeny. Now, don't get too close to me now. I might splash some of this on you. And it's hot stuff in more ways than one. <laughs> Gee,
7: what you making,
9: mister? What you making? Watch you? Fudge, sis. If you keep quiet like a good kid, I'll let you help me lick the pan.
7: Oh, boy. Gee. Thanks, mister.
10: I love fudge. You do, eh? Hmm?
9: I says you do, eh? You what? Love fudge.
10: I know it. <clears throat> <laughs> Take
9: a gander at that, sis. Beautiful, eh? Bet you never saw any fudge that color before.
7: <laughs> I bet you I never saw anything that color before, <laughs>
9: Well, Making good fudge is a fine art, sis. Mm-hmm. I ever tell you why they call it fudge? Oh,
7: <laughs> no.
9: Well, sir. Hundreds of years ago, even before one man's family was on the air, <laughs> there was a family of little elves lived in a great big forest.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: You know what an elf is, sis.
7: Sure I do, I bet you. My daddy is an elf. He goes down to the elf's club every day. <laughs>
9: no. no, I didn't say elk. I said elf. Brownies, gnomes, leprechauns, pixies. Elves. I mean elves. Okay. Well, sir, one day the chief of the elves, a little fellow named Eggduff, was out for a beetle back ride, and he fell off his beetle and got lost. (laughs) And he wandered around getting hungrier and hungrier till he came to a place where some human beings had been having a picnic. Oh,
7: how'd he know human beings had been there, mister? How did he?
9: Well, because the grass was all torn up and the trees had initials carved all over (laughs) them, and there was tin cans laying all around, and... Dirty newspapers and broken glass and all stuff like that there. Ah. Uh. Nobody makes a mess like that except human beings. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, sir, little egg duck climbs around looking for something to eat, and he finds a little crumb of brown candy. He eats it. It's delicious. And he eats some more.
7: Mm-hmm. And he
9: gets so much strength and energy, he walks right straight home again without any trouble.
7: Oh, gee goody. Mm-hmm.
9: Uh-huh. And he tells all the other little elves all about the wonderful stuff he'd found, and they all wanted some. So being a bright little elf, little Eggduff got a bee, got him to bring him some honey, and he milked a few milkweed plants to get some milk and made a batch of the finest fudge you ever saw.
7: Oh, uh, where'd they get the chocolate, mister?
9: Hmm. Uh, well, they got all, no, off of the beetles' cocoa. Uh, they, they got it all right. Anyway, all the little elves were so happy about it and so grateful to Eggduff. And got to like fudge so much. you know what they did? Sure. Huh?
7: They called fudge on account of that egg up spelled backwards. What? Well, I gotta go now. So long, Missy. All of
9: all the little point killers I ever heard. <laughs> I still think
7: that...
10: <laughs>
8: the King's Men singing Tampico. Hi, hi, Tampico, Tampico. On the Gulf of Mexico,
10: Tampico, Tampico, that's the place to go. Tampico, Tampico, where banana boats all go. Tampico, Tampico, down in Mexico, the senoritas they wave when you arrive at the docks. The native costumes they wear are slacks and bobby socks. Hi, Tampico, Tampico, where the balmy breezes blow. Tampico, Tampico, down in Mexico, to Mexico, 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 you go to to buy some pottery there. To the luxury tax you find that when you get home They sell it cheaper at Saks Hi, Tampico, Tampico Where the weary tourists go Tampico, Tampico Down in Mexico You think you'll learn to do the samba and the rumba So you engage a senorita in a hurry You find she's got a broken telephone and number And learn to dance by mail from Arthur Murray Oh, Tampico, Tampico, where's the great big pool they throw? Tampico, Tampico, down in Mexico. As the sunset fades to a purple glow, we bid farewell to Tampico. We'll steal away and leave her stay there on the Gulf of Meh, may Meh,
9: And his name was
7: Keith
9: Snuggle up the people Then kick him in the teeth Oh,
7: Heavenly days, McGee Haven't you finished Making that fudge yet?
9: Oh, not quite I had to boil it over again Why? I couldn't taste The mint sauce
7: <laughs> Mint sauce? McGee, this is gonna be The most horrible Now, now,
9: now, now, now Take it easy, Mommy Take it easy Hand me the vanilla, will you?
7: Please? Certainly, sir Here you are
10: Thank you <laughs> Oh Yeah
9: <clears throat> That ought to do it It really should
10: <laughs>
7: I haven't smelled so much vanilla Since I walked past the stag line At our high school graduation
10: dance Ah,
7: <laughs> oh, McGee, for goodness sake, you can get...
9: Come in Dr. Gamble, Molly, where are you? Oh, we're out in the kitchen, Doc. Come on out. Well, well, this is a happy little domestic scene. You look cute in that apron, McGee. The only difference between you and Ann Sheridan is that you look like Bull Montana. <laughs> <laughs>
7: He's making a batch
9: of fudge, Doctor. Oh? Geez, smells swell. Let me start a while, McGee. Okay, kid. come on. You stir five minutes, and I'll stir five oh, minutes, Oh, eh? for
7: goodness. <laughs> Here, doctor, here's an apron for you, too. The Tomein sisters at work. You interested in cooking, Doc? Love it.
9: Did ever eat any of my guinea hen, Maryland, with sauce gamble? No, no, no. Never been in Maryland, Doc. Oh. <laughs> I got a great little recipe for barbecued meatballs with wild rice. You see, you see, get yourself a pig. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but wait till you try my spinach ring Hmm? And my salami cacciatore (laughs) Brother, you haven't lived till you've tasted that Now, look, first you take some dry sherry Oh, no, no, I never use dry sherry, darling No? Always wet sherry
8: (laughs) The dry sherry... Now, look, boys,
7: am I in the way here? I can just as well go out on the porch and smoke a cigar
8: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 stick around, Molly We'll just uh... say, isn't this fudge about done, McGee? Look, it's getting hard.
9: Oh, I'll drop a drop of it into this glass of cold water, Doc. If it forms a little bead, it's ready to cool. Okay.
10: Ah, mm.
7: very interesting. Sank like a mother's heart at Willie's first haircut. <laughs>
9: it's done, Doc. It's done. Here, I'll put it out in this pan. Mm, boy, boy oh boy, that really looks marvelous, McGee. That's the only green and purple fudge I ever saw. <laughs> Much obliged for helping me, Doc. You can have the first taste of it when it gets cool. Oh, no, no. It's your recipe. You're entitled to the first bite. Oh, no. You're the guest. You first. Well, let's compromise. We'll let Molly have the first No,
7: no, you don't. No, no.
9: Why, Molly, I made this just for you. Gee whiz, after all the trouble I went to because you were hungry for some good homemade fudge. My gosh. All
7: right, all right. Now get out of my kitchen, both of you. I'll let you know when it's cool. I've got to clean up in here. I haven't seen so many dirty pants Since the Elks put on their last minstrel show
10: Well,
9: okay, Molly Say, um Come on, McGee I want to tell you about my venison fricassee Yeah, and I want to give you my recipe For pineapple upside-down muffins, Doc First you take a pineapple Uh Then you turn it (laughs) upside-down
7: Ah, dear There goes a good kid Two good kids, in fact (laughs) Too good to be on the receiving end of what I have in mind when I look around this wreck of a kitchen. But now to dump out this murder mixture. And put the fudge I bought at Kramer's on a plate. There we are. And three lives saved.
10: All right, boys, the fudge
7: is cool. Come and get it. Come on. Ah, the patter of little feet. (laughs)
9: Well, didn't take long to cool off, did it? Why, certainly not I had sense enough to drop a couple of ice cubes in it the last time I boiled it
10: <laughs>
9: Hey, this looks wonderful, Molly Sure changes color when it gets cooled, don't it?
7: Yes, it does, doesn't it?
9: Ah, yeah, that's as fine a looking platter of goodies as I ever surveyed with these astigmatic old orbs McGee, you're wonderful. Well, I told you to be okay when it got cool. Mm-hmm. Have a feast, Doc. Thanks. Uh, Molly?
7: Thank you.
8: <clears throat> My gosh. It's delicious. Yeah, it's the best mm. fudge I ever ate.
7: It's simply grand, McGee. Well,
8: I'm
9: glad you like it, folks. Make you some anytime you like. That's a wonderful recipe I made up, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and you know the most miraculous thing about it? No. What? When it cools off, it's even got nuts in it. <laughs> That fudge all gone?
7: Well, I'm just finishing the last piece, dearie.
9: Okay. By the way, you started to tell me about something you got at Kramer's drugstore.
7: What was it? Well, now let me think. I had it on the tip of my tongue just a minute ago. <laughs> uh,
9: never mind. Good night.
7: Good night, all. <laughs>
8: This is Harlow Wilcott speaking for the makers of Johnson's wax products for home and industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Sick Shooter, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer.